enriching your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark and it's Friend Friday. And today I'm so excited because we're talking once again with Dr. Mike Dow, who I like to call America's go-to therapist. You may have seen him as an expert on The Doctors and The Dr. Oz Show. And he's written, I guess, a book a year for many years now. And he even co-authored a Chicken Soup for the Soul book with us called Think, Act, and Be Happy. That was a fabulous book. Is a new book out that is so fascinating to me that I wanted him to come on and share it with the rest of you. It's called The Sugar Brain Fix. And I am already a convert. So, Mike, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Hi, Amy. So nice to be back. Yeah. And by the way, everybody, Mike sounded a little bit like he was in an echo chamber. So he's now under a blanket, which is the chicken soup for the soul official (laughs) method for making yourself sound better on a podcast. You throw a blanket over yourself and that creates an instant sound booth. Hey, whatever works, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Mike is a guy who a lot of you have heard from before if you're regular listeners, but I like to call him Dr. Dr. Mike Dow because he has a doctorate in. P-S-Y, I guess that's psychology? Yep, a PsyD. Okay, and also a PhD, and he's a New York Times bestselling author. He has hosted hit shows on several networks. He's currently a host for Disney+. Plus. He's part of Dr. Oz's core team of experts. He's a recurring guest co-host on The Doctors. He's made regular appearances on Today, Rachel Ray, Wendy Williams, Nancy Grace, Dr. Drew on call. Now, Mike began his career working with the Los Angeles Department of Mental Health before transitioning to private practice. And despite how busy he is, he still has a private practice in Los Angeles. He has a master's in marriage in family therapy, that doctorate in psychology, the PhD in clinical sexology. He practices adult and child psychotherapy, couples therapy, family therapy, sex therapy, hypnotherapy. He's a graduate of USC, where of course he was a presidential scholar. And if you want to learn more about him, his website is drmikedow.com, and that's drmikedow.com. All right, so why this new book about sugar? Well, I think the first reason, Amy, is that uh, I came across this landmark study, and it followed hundreds of people across several years, and it found that what we are eating every single day as Americans, and by the way, even if you don't know it, this study found that sugar is actually shrinking our brains. So I call this study the sugar brain study, and I call this phenomenon sugar brain. So it's really interesting because I think that more and more we are realizing that the way that we're eating every single day isn't just expanding our waistline and leading to diabetes, obesity, but it's also having all of these other systemic effects on our bodies and actually our brains. And I think most people are probably a little bit more scared when they hear that. And I hope with a little bit of fear, they're actually more motivated to do something uh, because it, it is really incredible the way you feel when you can actually reverse that and actually grow your brain because you not only feel better and sharper, but you actually feel happier as well. So that's the good news. If you start to eat the, the, the food that grow your brain, as opposed to the food that shrink your brain. Yeah. And I, I, you said something great in the early pages of the book. You said that sugar is America's primary vice and that Americans are the number one 
consumer of sugar. Not the number one consumer of fat, though. I think we're more conscious of fat. I know I do look at everything for sugar. I had a piece of what's called fitness bread this morning and looked at the package and it said one gram of sugar. And I thought, all right, that's not terrible. So I had it. But I always look. I think what the other thing that fascinated me, and I was actually talking about it over the weekend, I was visiting my my doctor daughter and talking to her. And I love this idea that you have about doing a gradual detox so that you begin have adding healthy foods before you start cutting back on the sugar foods. And I thought, that makes so much sense. That's so much more likely to work for people. Yeah, I compare it to the nicotine patch, you know, because it's interesting because sugar is actually addictive. So when you try to go cold turkey, you know, I think a lot of us have had a New Year's resolution or maybe that moment where it's just, oh, I see a number on the scale. I'm just going to give up sugar cold turkey. But you do get withdrawal symptoms. You know, we know in studies, in animal studies, that animals fed sugar and, and this very Western American diet, they will endure electric shocks to get that food, which is the same behavior that we see in animals uh, when given cocaine. So we know that food can be very, very addictive. And when you have something that is that addictive, you also get withdrawal symptoms. So what we do to sort of prevent the withdrawal? Well, we, we use these behavioral replacement and we use these replacement foods and we use this gradual detox. So we focus on what we add to the diet before we start taking away. So you don't have to go through the irritability, the mood swings, the headaches, all that stuff so that you can be successful in the long term. So I, I feel like that is what works. And it certainly worked for, I put my mom and stepdad on the program. I put some non-relatives on the program. It, it's, it's the program that I follow. And it seems really easy. It's not extreme. Uh, I feel like a lot of Americans are, are trying to do these really extreme diets. And as one friend told me, who tried to do keto for a couple of days, he's like, he told me, if I have to eat one more cube of cheese, I'm going to vomit. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I just couldn't do it, you know, and, and, and my program is actually very balanced and, and actually pretty moderate uh, compared to some of these extreme diets out there. So, Well, it makes total sense. I actually read this book last week and then I started trying to do this and I noticed already it's working because I'm having like a banana and then an apple and more water and I'm just not saying, oh, you cannot have those bad things. I'm just crowding them out basically by eating these other things. And these other things make me happy also. So if an apple is going to make me happy, then I don't need a Snickers bar. So it's been working for me. And is that kind of what Weight Watchers does where they have all those zero point foods? They're trying to get people to eat those and then they just won't really have the desire to eat the bad stuff? In a way, yeah, you know, and the difference, and you know, I think Weight Watchers is an okay program. And what's really interesting is that my mom and stepdad were actually on Weight Watchers, and they both reached, and by the way, they had lost a lot of weight. So they'd followed Weight Watchers for years. I think they both lost about 30 pounds, but they had both reached that plateau. And they both added my program onto the Weight Watchers program. And uh, in 28 days, they both lost about 10 pounds. So, you know, the difference is that my program also focuses on food timing. So you add a little bit of intermittent fasting. You add a little bit of uh, what I call these fasted workouts, which is basically working out on an empty stomach, which forces your body to turn to stored body fat instead of glucose or sugar for fuel. Uh, and it really helps to burn fat a little bit more effectively than a, than a strict uh, points-based program. And the other thing that I that is a little bit different is 
sometimes for a lot of people, especially if you are like me, a sensation seeker, which I know from personality tests that I've given myself and also my genetic testing, a lot of people, especially if you are like me, you know, I find these, these long-term points-based programs to be a little dull. That might not be for all people, but the great thing about my program is it also allows for a lot of uh, rewards. Uh, it's it sort of, uh, you can have whatever you want uh, at some point of the day, as long as you are really good in the morning. And the food timing piece really kind of makes it more fun and exciting. You know, for me, I would rather have one really decadent meal than eat three really, really saintly meals all day. And so the, I think the variety, when people learn how to really add food timing and these fasted workouts to their daily lives, I think they'll actually realize, oh, this is going to be kind of fun. And I get to choose when I get to have a, a few cheat foods. And, and then I time my workout so that I can burn some more body fat. And then they can be more successful over the long term. I think that what's great about this is that because you are a psychologist, you know how to make this work being mindful of how people's brains actually work instead of how they theoretically work. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about these quizzes that can help you understand what, I don't know, your pressure points are, I guess, in good behavior. And we're going to talk about some of these recipes also. So we will be back. We're back with Dr. Mike Dow discussing how you can get sugar out of your diet in a way that actually works with how your mind works. So, Mike, you mentioned intermittent fasting before the ad, and I wanted to talk about that because I know you cover it in your new book, The Sugar Brain Fix. So how does intermittent fasting work and how can we actually make ourselves do it? So intermittent fasting is actually really easy. It can really jumpstart weight loss and more importantly, because of course my book is The Sugar Brain Fix and uh, we know that sugar shrinks the brain and we want to grow the brain. Well, the really exciting thing is that intermittent fasting or choosing to skip a few meals so that you can have a, a limited feeding window. So let's say you're going to either in my program, you're going to either skip breakfast or you're going to skip dinner or sometimes both. Because when you think about it, you're already fasting when you're sleeping, right? So you, you don't even have to try to fast when you're sleeping. So then you just add a skipped breakfast and or a skipped dinner. And then you're maybe fasting for 16 or up to 20 hours. We know during that time, your body is making something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. That is something that has been called miracle growth for the brain. So if you, like most Americans, have been shrinking your brain with sugar for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, this can hack, actually help to regrow your brain so that you can get your brain back to that really big and beautiful state. All right. So I had read something about how women shouldn't do the intermittent fasting for more than 14 hours. So I tried it and I was like, I'll, I'll stop eating by 8 p.m. And then I won't be able to have anything until 10 a.m. And that will be 14 hours. Mm -hmm. How was it? The problem was that my workout sessions were at 10 a.m. at the gym. And so I was like doing them hungry, but I guess that was recommended. And I did it for a while, but then it just didn't work with my schedule with my husband. I could do it if I were all by myself, but it was hard to coordinate it with another person. Yeah. So the other thing, I would just play with that. So, you know, my program, you only have to do a couple of skipped meals and fasted workouts per week. So, you know, you could do them both on Saturday and Sunday, and that would be it for the week. And then Monday through Friday, you could just have a regular eating schedule. Um, I, I think people really need the flexibility 
So I tend to do my fasting when I'm at home by myself so that I can just sort of lounge around at home. I find fasting to be really easy when I'm at home. When I'm traveling, I find fasting to be very, very difficult. And then you can actually go to your local gym and you sort of get into this routine. And the other thing, I give people a cheat. Uh, There is one food that you can have uh, when you are fasting because it does not raise your blood sugar or insulin, and that is bone broth. So if fasting, you know, a really strict fast is very, very difficult for you, you can actually add that and you're still going to be burning that body fat for fuel when you do that fasted workout, which is really fun. Well, that's cool. That intermittent fasting does not have to be done seven days a week. So now that I know that, I'll try to do it maybe three days a week, which is more realistic. So I also tried one of your recipes and I'm going to try a lot of them because there's some really easy recipes in the back of the book. The one I tried over the weekend was the broccoli popcorn which, Mm. oh my God, it's so easy. It's just olive oil, nutritional yeast, sea salt, and broccoli. That is so simple. And it was so delicious. And I really felt like I was eating candy. I'm so glad. You know, it's so nutrient dense. I talk not just about sugar, but also the bad fats, because the study also found that bad fats, along with sugar, shrink our brain. So what are bad fats? They're industrial oils. So If you look at the back of anything in the Western American diet, you're going to find two things, some form of sugar and likely soybean oil, but sometimes corn oil, uh, one of these very high omega-6 oils. And then if we shift over to olive oil, olive oil is fantastic because it's the highest monounsaturated fat. It's really incredible for our brain. It is the, uh, the pillar oil of the Mediterranean diet. So it's just the the oil that you want to get into your system uh, in terms of overall brain health. And and, and so when you can shift that, you know, when you go to these, you know, to the movie theater and they have these really terrible oils filled with saturated fat, or even these, you know, microwave popcorns, which aren't really great. There's some carcinogens in the liner that just aren't great for you. You can pop your popcorn, you know, you can use the broccoli popcorn, or you can just roast it the old fashioned way in a, in a pot Uh, with not extra virgin, but regular olive oil when you're cooking with it, because extra virgin is not stable at high temperatures, but regular olive oil is. Or you can use coconut oil, and you can actually help to improve your brain health just by switching the kind of oil that you're eating every day as well. Oh, so that's interesting. I should have regular olive oil for cooking and extra virgin olive oil just for salad dressings? That's correct. Okay. I did not know that. Now, I have to ask you another thing, because you were talking in the book about foods that were okay and foods that were banned, and you banned potatoes. And I didn't understand why potatoes were bad, because if I have a dry baked potato, why is that bad? A dry baked potato will spike your blood sugar very, very high. The glycemic index, which is a measure of you know, just how high your blood sugar and then after your blood sugar spikes and your insulin spikes, they are very, very high. So potatoes are very unique because they, among all vegetables, they spike your blood sugar the highest and they have the least amount of nutrients. So they're the one vegetable that are off limits. Any other vegetable is is going to be very, uh, very negligible in terms of blood sugar spike and it's going to be very high in, in nutrient density. So it, it's really the one food that I take off limits. That being said, you also know that in my program, you can also have two things of two servings of whatever you want every single day. By the time you get to week four, it's actually easier in weeks one and two because you don't limit anything. 
But I would much rather you have, instead of the baked potato side, I would much rather you have the spinach and olive oil with garlic. I would much rather you have the broccoli sauteed in olive oil. I would much rather you have some asparagus or some zucchini. Uh, You're not going to be spiking your blood sugar because we know when you spike your blood sugar, you're shrinking your brain. And when you shrink your brain, you're increasing your risk. You know, sugar brain, you are shrinking the same part of the brain that is shrunken in dementia. Alzheimer's, major depression. So it's a part of the brain you really do not want to shrink. So I want you to keep your blood sugar nice and steady and low. Uh, Also, there's something called the Warburg effect. And we know that when you spike your blood sugar, that can also fuel cancer cells. So by keeping your blood sugar really low, you're also sort of keeping the, 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 the sort of uh, gasoline for cancer cells to theoretically uh, multiply. You're keeping that low. So there's just so many things that you're doing uh, in a really positive way for your body, for so many prevention strategies, so many different systems by keeping that blood sugar low. And I think it's the one thing that Americans are, are most guilty of, as, as you said, We are the number one out of all the countries in the world. We are by far the number one consumers of sugar, but we are not anywhere close to the number one consumers of fat in the world. There are a lot of other countries that eat way more fat on a daily basis than us. So I think we really have got to work on bringing our blood sugar spikes way, way down, and we are going to be a lot happier and healthier. All right. So then let's talk about doing a kitchen cleanup. Like, Let's say you're walking into the normal American's house. How do you guide them through their kitchen? And what would you find in there that you would just toss out? And what would you bring in to restock their kitchen? I think if most Americans went into their pantry and they looked for two things, sugar and soybean oil, and we just started there as a really basic kitchen cleanup, I think most Americans would be really, really surprised to find just how many condiments, salad dressings contain those two ingredients. So you think of things like salad dressing. Well, salad dressing should be a fat. It should be an oil paired with vinegar, even vinaigrettes. You know, you think of a vinaigrette, that should be an olive oil with a vinegar. Well, a lot of store-bought vinaigrettes will contain olive oil, which defeats the purpose because a vinaigrette should be made with olive oil, which is that really great olive olive oil for you. Uh, Again, very high in monounsaturated fat versus this soybean oil, which is very high in omega-6s, which has a pro-inflammatory effect on your brain, you're creating systemic inflammation in the brain and also the body. So you're putting this, quote, balsamic vinaigrette uh, that's creating inflammation in your body, and you thought you were being healthy. And if you also look at the back of that store-bought balsamic vinaigrette, you will often find sugar. So you want to look for a balsamic vinaigrette that just has olive oil and vinegar. That's it. Or make your own. A lot of other things, mayonnaise, even, and this is really sneaky, a lot of mayonnaises that say made with olive oil on the front, you flip it around and you read the ingredients and it'll say soybean oil, corn oil, and then olive oil. So that means that there's just a little bit of olive oil, but it's mostly soybean oil. So if you're going to use mayonnaise, you want a mayonnaise made with all olive oil, no soybean oil. So read the ingredients. Other things like ketchup, sugar, um, uh, so many things in our, in, our, in our pantries, even peanut butter, uh, a lot of peanut butters, sugar, right? So we, th- we think this is a fat, but actually there's sugar in it. Uh, so again, go to your kitchen this afternoon, this evening, whatever time you're listening to this podcast, sugar and soybean oil. And if you just look for those two ingredients and in everything in your kitchen, 
and you get rid of them, you will go a long way in fixing your sugar burn. That is great advice. Sometimes I just pour balsamic on without the oil because just the balsamic is delicious. That's wonderful too. I do the same thing. Yeah. Well, this is great. I'm really going to use this book as a reference. The Sugar Brain Fix. Where can people find the book? It's available wherever books are sold, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million. uh, And there's a special offer on my website, drmikedow.com as well. Okay, that is great. And of course, you can also find the book that Dr. Mike Dow co-authored with us, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think, Act, and Be Happy on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and wherever books are sold. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me back, Amy. Always a pleasure. Everybody, thanks so much for listening today. I look forward to sharing more inspiration with you the next time we get together. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.